To say Congress is useless might be the understatement of the year. I mean, what exactly did Pelosi and McConnell and their gaggle of stooges in the halls of Congress get done other than squander time and waste your money? Uh, try nothing, all right? The Democrat-led House spent most of its time trying to hunt down Russian collusion conspiracy theories and impeach 45 rather than attending to the needs of the American people. And they've got nothing to show for it. So congratulations, Congress. Plus, Marianne Williamson, she is out of the race. You know, they really did their work trying to make her out to be a nut job, but really, she's the one that was too nutty for you guys, not the rest of them? Yeah, the Department of Peace, the Department of Family, shut up, you nut, Marianne. Really, why don't you try taking a look at the rest of your candidates? No, that's why people like Marianne, people like Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard, they're not welcome on the Democrat debate stage tomorrow night. No diversity of thought allowed in this party. Plus, is Trump's team advocating for more foreign workers coming in? Tons of foreign workers means fewer jobs and smaller wages for Americans. I'm John Miller, and the White House Brief begins right now. So dare I say it, but Trump is one of the only reasons the country is succeeding right now, right? It's not Congress. It's not Congress, believe me. Congress hasn't accomplished jack squat. Congress has been running around like a bunch of angry chickens making inflammatory speeches and practicing reckless casuistry in order to get this president out of office. That's all they've accomplished. And they haven't even done that, and they're not gonna be able to. First, a quick reminder to subscribe to the White House Brief on YouTube, youtube.com slash John Miller. That is John with no H, youtube.com slash John Miller. Please do me a favor, subscribe, hit the like button, and leave a comment if you feel so obliged. And now our sponsor, when it comes to comfort down below, there's underwear. And then there's Tommy John, the revolutionary clothing brand that's redefined comfort for Americans everywhere, including yours truly. Tommy John's men's and women's underwear sport a no wedgie guarantee, comfortable, stay put waistbands, and a range of fabrics that are so luxuriously soft, feather light, moisture wicking, breathable, and then they're also designed to move with you, not against you. Trust me, you'll thank me. Because in other words, there's no bunching up and there's no riding up, which will ruin your day. It will ruin your year. I guarantee you, Tommy John is so confident in their underwear that if you don't love your first pair, you're gonna get a full refund with their best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. And if you prefer to shop in brick and mortar stores, you can find them in over 1200 retail locations across the country, including Nordstrom's. Stores nationwide, Tommy John, no adjustment needed. Give three Fs, fit, fabric and function about your underwear and upgrade with Tommy John today. Go to tommyjohn.com slash WHB for 20% off your first order. That is tommyjohn.com slash WHB. 20% off tommyjohn.com slash WHB. All right. It's now almost two weeks into 2020 and we want to know what exactly did Congress accomplish last year? Anything? Going once. Going twice, did Congress pass any meaningful piece of legislation last year? Well, what do we mean? What do we mean? Let's start by asking this. What do we mean by meaningful? What I mean is this. First of all, what issues meant most to the American people? And then did Congress deliver? No, 
is the answer to that question. The most important issues to Americans are number one, the economy. Number two, healthcare costs. Number three, education. Number four, terrorism. And number five, social security. But what did Congress get done this year? Well, the House was in session for 191 days. Can you believe it? A whole 191 days out of 365 days. And the Senate, well, they had to outdo Congress. So they were in session for 186. So, I mean, you really got to give them credit because these guys busted their asses working for a little more than half a year. Very impressive. And that is, of course, why we pay them hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And getting paid, well, that was the very first thing on their agenda, getting government employees paid. That's what they're focused on. No, they're less interested in making sure you've got money in your pocket, right? They're, must, they're, they're less interested in making sure you get paid so much as making sure their fellow government officials do. The very first law introduced by the 116th Congress was reopening the government to make sure they got paid following the shutdown. The Government Employee Fair Treatment Act paid government employees for the funds they weren't able to get during the shutdown. So good, government's getting paid. If they had it their way, you might not be getting paid, but you know, Mary, government employee Mary, who gets paid to file her nails and leave at 3.45 in the afternoon, well, she has her paycheck so she can sit on her fat behind and waste your tax dollars. Now remember, the government shut down, why? Oh, because Congress was unwilling to carry out the mandate of the American people. They were unwilling to carry out the mandate of Trump's election, which was to secure our borders by building a wall. But no, Congress couldn't be bothered and Congress dragged their feet. So Trump was not able to accomplish that and the government had to shut down. Only recently was Trump able to fulfill the will of the American people by working around Congress and tapping $3.6 billion in U.S. military construction funds to build a wall along the border. That's two and a half times, by the way, more than Congress agreed to before the new year. And fortunately, because of Trump, because of regulatory rollback, tax cuts, etc., the economy is doing great. We've created 7 million jobs, including over 700,000 construction jobs. Unemployment has reached the lowest rate in over 51 years. But when it comes to spending, and remember, Congress is in charge of the purse, well, we're not doing so hot. In the dead of summer, Congress passed an abominable budget deal Budget bill that adds up to just under a trillion over the next 10 years. And this budget, the deficit under it, totaled to up to $200 billion, meaning the budget deficit was poised to hit a seven-year high in fiscal year 2019. So if the economy, if the economy is the number one issue to voters, well, you think they'd be busy in Congress figuring out how to, how to reduce these numbers in order to strengthen the economy, the number one issue. But no, instead, they were busy working on stuff that really matters to you, the stuff that really is important to the American voter. During the winter, they really got a Kraken, and they passed a bipartisan public lands measure. Yes, I've been waiting for this. This public lands measure included initiatives to help the environment and conservation programs. Now, was the environment, hmm, was the environment on that top list of important issues to voters? Doesn't matter. Congress went ahead and passed something on it anyway. 
No, don't conserve, don't conserve the health or the well-being or the survival of the American people. No, we need to put the plants and the trees first. But the importance of the work that our important Congress does gets even more important. While failing to secure our border, did you know that our industrious 116th Congress passed a law to change the address of a post office in Charlottesville, Virginia, to name it after the son of the Muslim family who questioned Trump's patriotism at the DNC? Have you even read the United States Constitution? Uh, no. You haven't because the United States is lucky to have people like Kazir Khan and the post office needs to be named after his son for posterity's sake. Now his son died in war, it's very tragic, but the idea that Congress should be busy renaming a post office after him is kind of a waste of time when there's so much that Congress has to do. But nope, our productive Congress was also hard at work at creating an award for school administrators. Yeah, we, we pay them to create awards apparently. They created an award for classified school employees, school employees like security officers and cafeteria workers. Now, call me crazy, but shouldn't that be localized? Hmm? Shouldn't that kind of stuff be up to the school? Shouldn't that be up to the parents? Why is our federal government handing out awards to the best cafeteria workers in administrative transportation, food and nutrition services when they have uh, failed to protect the American people by employing the most basic duties of government? Why? Well, it's because they're making sure feet and ankles across the VA are functioning properly. Congress passed a bill to amend Title 38 United States Code to clarify the grade and pay of podiatrists of the Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, a podiatrist, that's the foot and ankle doctor, all right? Don't, 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 don't you waste your time worrying about getting stuck in line so long that you might even die waiting. Don't worry about the cocktails of pills that the doctors stuff down your throats to mask the pain of PTSD veterans. No, don't worry about any of that. Just rejoice over the fact that Congress has put their heads together and found a way to clarify the pay for foot and ankle doctors at the VA. Yep, tax dollars hard at work. And good news for all you lactating moms out there, the 116th Congress, the glorious 116th Congress, passed the Fairness for Breastfeeding Mothers Act of 2019 to make sure that every time you go into a federal building, you have a place to feed your baby. I mean, not, the, I mean, not again, not something that isn't important, not that unreasonable, I mean, believe me, there's nothing more uncomfortable when you're sitting with a mom and, you know, you're sitting there and you're chatting and then she whips out her boob to feed the baby. So, you know, I get it. Nature calls. And, and now because of Congress's hard work, all moms have a special room in all government buildings that they can retreat to. Right. I mean, that's what that's what they should be prioritizing in Congress. I mean, that's that's what they have to show for. Like, not the most unreasonable thing in the world, but if that's all they got done, well then boy, do they have some splaining to do for their six-figure salaries. Yes, six figures. Even though Americans voted them into office, 
Last time I checked, no, the people in Congress shouldn't be working to fulfill the wishes of the American people. No, they should be doing what Congress was very keen to do, and that's pass laws weighing in on foreign situations like the situation in Hong Kong. In November, they passed the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act of 2019, which worked to assess whether we should continue to treat Hong Kong as a separate entity from China. America first, America first. The people in Hong Kong are a little more patriotic than many of our people in Congress. But then aside from that, they use your money to essentially spend all year doing what? What did Congress spend all of last year, 2019 doing? Oh yeah, that's right, hunting down Trump. Now, is that what we elected them to do? Because they made very few attempts to improve your lives. Instead, they wasted their time renaming post offices, got a few pet project bills done. Uh, they, they did make animal cruelty a federal crime. They extended government assistance for poor people. They reauthorized funding for black colleges and universities. And that's about it. That's about it. So if you feared that Congress spent most of the year trying to find non-existent Russian collusion, trying to undo the findings of the Mueller report, trying to impeach the president, well, you'd be right. If you feared that Congress spent most of their time holding posturing hearings and trying to thwart nominations in the Senate, again, you'd be right. The only thing Congress is good for is continuing the survival of the administrative state, growing the national debt, and growing government in all the wrong places. And if that's what you believe, once again, ding, 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 you'd be absolutely right. And guess what? You, the American taxpayer, is responsible for paying for all of it. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to mourn the loss of probably, I'm going to say it, one of the only likable and certainly highly entertaining Democratic candidates, Marianne Williamson, has regretfully suspended her campaign. I want you to know that I was rooting for you. After they stopped putting her on the debate stage, the debates all got really boring. In this next debate, all of the interesting candidates are going to be missing. Tulsi Gabbard, she's going to be absent. Andrew Yang is going to be absent as well. So if you were, I don't know, haven't made up my mind about this yet. But if you were expecting the White House brief analysis for the next debate, uh, don't hold your breath for too long because, I don't know, we may skip out on it. They always talk about the same stuff and they're never interesting. So Marianne Williamson, while I never believed she would, she would clinch the nomination, given that she has as much in common with the modern Democrat Party uh, as, as I do with Hillary Clinton, she brought something to the table that Democrats are not exactly known for, and that is humanity. And they hated her for it. Because Marianne Williamson shockingly considers herself a God-fearing woman. Now, what kind of God she believed in, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Can't vouch for it, I'm not exactly sure. But merely the mention of God is enough for the Democrats to say, oh, P.U., P.U., you filthy woman, get off our stage. Because they think religion, aside from that of progressivism, is for despicable backwards people. And Marianne is the only Democrat candidate in recent memory who actually did the unthinkable, right, and stood up for the faithful in America. 
When Hurricane Dorian was making its way toward the coast, she tweeted, quote, the Bahamas, Florida, Georgia, and the Carolinas may all be in our prayers now. Millions of us seeing Dorian turn away from land is not a wacky idea. It is a creative use of the power of the mind. Two minutes of prayer, visualization, meditation for those in the way of the storm. Uh, she's explaining how prayer works. That, that, that's what prayer is. Uh, some may choose, you know, every religion has different definitions. Some may choose to call it meditation or visualization if that feels better. But that's essentially in a nutshell what a prayer is. Oh, and she was, she was mocked relentlessly for it. I mean, so much so that ultimately she ended up deleting the tweet and was then asked about it at a town hall. And here's what she said in response. Um, it sort of felt a little anti-sciency, but, but... Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The, a few days before I, I wrote that tweet, I was in South Carolina and Georgia. You think they weren't praying for that thing to turn around? And you're going to just, are we going to just talk down to them because they, you think that everybody who prays in those southern states and we're praying, dear God, uh, turn this hurricane around, you think they're stupid? That, that's real smart strategy, Democratic leftists. That's real smart strategy. Mock and make fun of everybody who believes that, that God is powerful. I, I am a woman who believes uh, in, in God. It doesn't mean I, I don't believe in science. It doesn't mean I lost some brain cells. It doesn't mean I'm less intelligent. Whew. You can't say that if you're a Democrat. Why? Because it's a stark contrast from the official Democrat platform of denying that Christians are even people that exist. Remember the bombing at the Catholic Church in Sri Lanka last Easter? And Obama tweeted, the attacks on the tourists at Easter worshipers in Sri Lanka are an attack on humanity. On a day devoted to love, redemption, and renewal, we pray for the victims, and we stand with the people of Sri Lanka. Uh, no, homie. No, my dude. There's no such thing as Easter worshipers. Easter worshipers, no, they are called Christians. And Easter is not a day devoted to love and redemption and renewal. Easter is a day devoted to God and his son, our savior, Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead to absolve us from sin. Obama, it's not complicated, but Hillary Clinton and Julian Castro and Elizabeth Warren all felt the meaningless term Easter worshiper was more appropriate to describe a terror attack on Christians. So yes, it was refreshing to see Marianne Williamson demonstrate that there is still, if just a small faction of the Democrat party that is not godless. And this next clip had me questioning whether Marianne actually is even able to call herself a Democrat with views that, that, that are so radically different from the rest of her party. I do not believe that the average American is a racist. What? What? You don't? I mean, that right there, that's disqualifying if you're the average leftist who finds all Americans, of course, or at least most of them, to be the most racist pieces of trash on the earth. In 2008, there was hope. In 2018, <laughs> there is hurt. This is America's state of hate, they say at CNN. And racism, this is at Newsweek, in America is more common with Donald Trump as president. And this is the Chicago Sun-Times. American racism could be the catalyst for hate around the world. 
So again, if, if she doesn't think the average American's a racist, uh, I'm not so sure that this woman can even call herself a Democrat uh, or, or a woman of faith who believes that most Americans are not racist. I mean, that's crazy. You're a wacko. And the Democrats don't want her to be a Democrat. Interest in her campaign increased after each debate she qualified for. She was the most Googled candidate after one of the debates. So it's no wonder they had to shut her out. And naturally, when you step out of line with the Democrat Party, they eat you alive. Marianne Williamson isn't funny. She's scary. Oh, yes. Oh, real scary. Real scary woman. You know, self-help gurus always are really terrifying. Uh, th this is a classic Vox article where they dig up everything on your background and then they twist it against you. For example, Marianne Williamson has tweeted words of caution about antidepressants like note to digesters of pills that take the edge off. Sometimes the edge should be on. This is not a time in America to be numb. And the truth about antidepressants, helpful for some, harmful for others. I mean, doesn't everybody know that? Is she wrong? I thought everybody knew these, medi these medications are risky. They're incredibly easy to abuse and misuse. And taking pills to numb your pain, pain that God has sometimes intended you to feel, is not always the right solution. That's why there is a connection between these antidepressants and suicide. But no, to the left, mental illness is a virtue, something to be upheld. You should never be shamed for flaunting drug abuse. You should be elevated for any sort of perceived trauma. The left finds value in victimhood. Marianne Williamson suggesting that abusing drugs is probably a bad idea, probably not a good thing. No, well, that's sacrilegious in their eyes. And Vox considers her to be a great threat to America for doing and saying so. The terrifying Marianne Williamson. You know when the hit pieces start coming, you know you're on the right track. In writing this piece, there was a fair amount of wackiness to choose from because she does say some pretty wacky things. Like she's not the person I would vote for. And then there was this clip. Do you have a pet? Do I have a pet? I had a cat and the cat gone. Like, that's a weird response. That's a weird response. And there's plenty more where that came from. She's wacky on the reparation stuff. She's wacky on, she led like a town hall where they all apologize to black people. That was weird. All right. She's a Democrat. Democrats are supposed to be people that you can disagree with, but don't have to hate and don't have to think they are out of their mind, bat crap insane. But I'll say this, Marianne is one of the few Democrats left in America who has the ability to publicly show an ounce of respect for her opponents, for Republicans, like it should be. So in turn, since her party has done stabbed her in the back, why don't we show her some of the same respect that people on both sides of the aisle used to show? That would be kindness, and I'll make, uh, that would be kindness. And I'll make my final point on her campaign somewhat substantive, right? because Marianne believes in capitalism. She's made a lot of money for herself using the system of capitalism, and yet she understands that the system of capitalism is not without fault. And she has identified the very same issues that we've discussed on this program many times before. Free market capitalism cannot exist outside an ethical context. 
So when I was growing up, the American corporation was expected to have a sense of moral and ethical responsibility that went beyond just uh, fiduciary responsibility to its stockholders. So if somebody had worked at a corporation for decades, the corporation was expected to care that that worker had a dignified retirement. So you say all the good that capitalism has done. It's true. Capitalism is very good at creating economic opportunities. But it also, since becoming so untethered from moral concerns, you say it built the middle class. Yes. But this capitalism untethered to moral and ethical concerns has destroyed the middle class in America over the last 40 years. When American corporations stop caring about the American worker, well, we find ourselves here. Our towns are a disaster. You know, we've got people walking around like zombies addicted to opioids without any hope of a future. And then meanwhile, at the same time, we're importing cheaper labor by the thousands to put those who are already struggling out of what little work they have to hold on to. I'm not naive. I get that corporations exist to make money. But when you have zero loyalty to the country that created the opportunity to build these massive fortunes, well, we find ourselves in trouble. Because the priorities of this country and the people who run these multinational corporations are so out of whack. And even though Marion Williamson was not the, the right person, she's not the right person to get us back on that track. No, I do. I thank her for taking the Democrat Party by the ears and shaking them and forcing them to look at what the rest of America sees which is a land of people who are sick of being told to hate each other while those at the top continue to betray us. Have you ever had to suffer the humiliation of having to train your replacement worker so that you can be fired? Because it's becoming more common here in America as more Americans are displaced from the workplace due to cheap H-1B visa replacements. The corporations, they rake in the profits and sell the American worker down the river. The very kind of thing that Trump ran on stopping, which is why it was somewhat surprising to see a tweet like this coming from him. H-1B holders in the United States can rest assured that changes are soon coming, which will bring both simplicity and certainty to your stay, including a potential path to citizenship. We want to encourage talented and highly skilled people to pursue career options in the U.S., well, there are plenty of talented and highly skilled people already here in the U.S. who don't need a pathway to citizenship because they are already citizens. Fox News' Laura Ingram challenged the president on this watch. I hear that your team is planning on advocating more foreign workers coming in for some of these high-tech companies. So I'm very concerned about that, I as know, are a lot of your supporters. And so is uh, Mark Levin a little bit. Yeah, and, we're concerned and because so Americans, great Lou Dobbs. you ran on America no, no, Lou Dobbs first. is concerned, too. We have to be competitive with the rest of the world, too. The companies want to hire these people. and well, they, they want can't. to hire people they can hire for the cheapest amount because that, I'm not that's talking what about they want. cheap. I'm talking about brain power. No. They want to hire smart people, and those people are thrown out of the country. Well, we can't do that. Well, you ran on America first. I'm going to. Anyway, no, I'm no, this keep... is America first. All right. You're telling me there are not enough smart people here in America, so we've got to take in more foreign workers to fulfill those jobs. Hmm? Because. Let me tell you something. If you talk to the demoralized Americans who have had to train foreign workers and have them shadow them before they were kicked to the curb to teach them how to do their jobs, I don't know, they might have a different story for you. 
While lobbyists for giant corporations like to bend themselves into pretzels to show that H-1B creates jobs, there's no denying the fact that they take American jobs. More than 85,000 Americans annually potentially will lose their jobs to foreign labor through H-1B. But really, all you have to do is talk to the people affected by it. Not long after Trump got into office, we spoke with American workers who had been displaced by foreign replacements. So many of my friends have lost their jobs. I'm pleading with you, President Trump, please turn this around for us. There's a lot of my friends that are here that have lost their jobs. Please put us first, right? I had to train my farm replacement. 1,400 of us in a, in a Fortune 500 had to train our farm replacement. People are scared to speak out of what's going on um, because we have, to, we have to sign severance. And the people that are signing the sermons are watching their friends not being able to find jobs. So they have to hold on to that little severance. There's people here today that, that are out of work for a year. What's happening is unfair to the American people. Please do something. Please put the education of leading edge technologies back in the hands of the American people. They stood outside the White House to let people know these companies are selling you a bill of goods when they say, oh, well, we can't find enough American workers. No, these people had to train their foreign replacements because their replacements didn't come, didn't possess the skills necessary to perform the job. Uh, this myth that there are all these jobs these companies can't fill. You heard those people shouting in the background, right? Those are people who have lost their jobs because they were laid off and replaced with someone from China or India because they weren't cheap enough. And then many of them were actually told, you're not going to get your severance if you talk about this publicly. Some decided to talk about it publicly anyway because it's not about the severance. They want their job back. They want the dignity that comes along with working back. But please, please tell me more about those jobs that Americans just won't do. These Forbes listed companies get away with highway robbery by paying cheap H-1B visa replacements to do the same jobs Americans supposedly weren't qualified or didn't want to do. Why would you have someone, why would you have someone not qualified enough for the job train their replacement? It's not because they didn't possess the skills. It's because you'd have to pay them more. But that might help with the lack of wage growth, which is the final missing puzzle piece to the economic growth we could potentially be seeing under Trump. Every year, we get more than 100,000 of the supposed best, the supposed brightest. But are they really? Are they actually? Center for Immigration Studies researcher Jason Richwine found that among those surveyed with at least a college degree, native-born Americans scored in the 74th percentile in literacy, while U.S.-educated legal immigrants scored at the 66th percentile. Trailing behind, foreign-educated legal immigrants brought to the U.S. to take high-paying American jobs scored at the 42nd percentile in literacy. I mean, how is that possible? How is that possible? I thought the whole point of this program was so that we could get the very best and the very brightest. Well, it turns out there are some loopholes. It was put in place to help American companies get the best global talent, right. you know, to be able to bring somebody from a foreign country if you couldn't find that employee here in the U.S. But there are loopholes in the law. 
that allow the companies to go out and get someone who's not especially uh, a special engineer or employee, but someone who's cheaper. So we know what the president ran on. We know what the president's instincts are. It's why he won the presidency. So he needs to be working to close those loopholes. Early in his presidency, he signed an executive order to buy American, hire American. Uh, And this infuriated those on the left. Oh, they couldn't stand it. Gabriella Clark at the Washington Post complained, the order restricts U.S. employers' ability to recruit foreign labor, in particular temporary H-1B visa holders, in the name of protecting American workers. And now, of course, there are globalists in Donald Trump's circle who hear that, who hear those complaints and probably say, oh, no, that's not a we can't have that. That's not a good look for us. And so now it would appear he's being advised to do some reversal to that because immigrants only make our country stronger. Really? I mean, what kind of nonsense statement is that? Uh, Why why would immigrants make our country any stronger than the native-born American citizens standing outside the White House begging for their jobs back? Why would they make us any stronger than the people on 60 Minutes who, despite possessing the skills needed, still had to go through the demoralizing experience of training their replacements at Disney or at Edison or at Toys R Us and increasingly... At all of these tech giants who don't care a whit about the American people or the American worker. Uh, They make us stronger. Why? Because they're cheaper. H-1B is displacing American workers. And that certainly does not make our country stronger. The benefits of H-1B are a myth and it is not an America first policy. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the White House Brief Podcast. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it, and if you feel like doing it, please leave a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.